You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Dan Baer's interview with the star for Censor, Neem Auger. This depiction is dangerous. Come on, ain't it? I'm cutting it. Butchery, sadism, murder. A wave of depraved and corrupt horror video. Confusing fiction with reality. Doug Smart, producer, ident investment films. Maybe Enid could watch my latest Frederick North submission. Wanted a woman's eye on his film. There's this actress. I've got this feeling that's Nina. My sister. You know, if someone did take her, then there's still out there. You've never been clear on exactly what you remember. You'd be surprised what the human brain can edit out when it can't handle the truth. Someone's losing the plot. I was wondering if you had anything else on this actress. What's going to happen to her? That's top secret. People think that I create horror. Horror is already out there in all of us. Thank you uh, for talking with us today. Um, Censor is it's a kind of nasty piece of work in a very delicious kind of fun way. I'm curious, when you grew up, did you watch any of these video nasties or did you watch any in prep for making this? I watched movies in prep for making this. I Like, I think video nasties was... So was I, you know, was ahead of my ahead of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Soprano, when we were in the prep for it, sent me like a, a list of films like A Scare Jessica to Death, Evil Dead, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, uh, to kind of get myself in the head. And then like this documentary on video nasties was like this box set. Oh. Um, but then also like a watch list um, of movies for the character. And just kind of tonally where we were thinking of trying to like push the psychology to those movies like Black Swan and The Piano Teacher. Uh, you know, there was a, this creating like this character where she's very much kind of buttoned up, but also dealing with kind of two personalities. And um, for me, I think Enid is always like she has these two personalities kind of living within her. And it's we see one at the start and then see the other at the end. And um so it was a really interesting one to kind of research. Yeah, um, and and Edith is a fascinating character in that, like, she presents as very this strict and very logical type of person when she's going about her job, but how she does her job is actually coming from a very deep personal place, and we know films are still censored today in in many ways, whether it's, you know, people who want to trim a few swear words to get a more marketable rating from a ratings board or whether it's whole scenes or subplots being cut out so that they can be distributed in foreign countries that have different social mores or rules or laws. Do you think that today's censoring practices are any better or worse than those that you portrayed as Enid in the film? I think that 
now it's with the whole development of streaming, online streaming service, mm. I think, you know, things have, have changed a lot because there's, I don't know what it is regards like Netflix or Amazon, but I know that you can kind of get away with, not get away, but I think it, it kind of opens up a few more kind of doors for what can be portrayed. Um, but yeah, I think when we were researching this, uh, I spoke to a few censors and it was just mad. I was like, you know, if you say the F word, it's an automatic, automatic 18. It's like, it's insane. Just one word. But yet there's so much other, there's so much stuff that you can show that won't, that won't, um, that would, you know, keep the rating down to PG or 12. But I, like, oh, when I was growing up in my town in Falling Guard, there was this tiny little cinema with like two screens and you had to literally bring your age card. I was like trying to see Titanic when I was like 10 and I couldn't go to it. Oh, <laughs> wow. To, yeah, I remember I, was st- I stood in the queue with my sisters who were all old, older than me. And I was like trying to get in and my and the, got to the top of the queue and I got rejected. And it was like the most heartbreaking thing the next night oh, I had no. to my mom. Um, so I watched my first everything sex scene at the age of 10 with my mom. <laughs> 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 I just remember that. It was just so funny. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I don't know where that. I just remember that story in my head. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, my my first one that I remember in theaters was Shakespeare in Love. I kind of had to convince my dad to take me. I was fourteen at the time, <laughs> and he 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 was he I, he always struck me as kind of prudish, but he had no problem with the sex scene in that for some reason. It's period, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. given that you're having to play this person who's sort of like at the beginning sort of fraying around the edges but as it it goes on she becomes more you know this fractured personality and that happens sort of in the style of the film too towards the end i and those last that last act of the film goes to some really crazy weird fascinating places and i'm curious of like how long those scenes cumulatively took to shoot because I know it was, you know, like a bit lower budget, lower time constraints, all these things than you sometimes get on a project like this. Yeah. I think in total, I think the shoot was like five weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was really short. And then we had done like a week of like night shoots um, in the rain, which was like like the, the forest stuff, it was like lashing rain. Um, like there's a scene near the end where we're like, what did she finally kind of, I'm trying, to, I'm trying not to give anything away here, but like in that final act, she's in the forest. Yes. Um, and we were in this ravine and we were shooting it and it was like, the, it was like a dried up ravine. But by the time we got to it that evening to shoot it, it and I turned into a river, like this sludgy, wet, mucky river. And I was wearing like this long nightdress that absorbed like what felt like all the water in the world. <laughs> so I was like rushing through it. So, um, you know, you we didn't, when you're shooting on film, you don't exactly have the luxury of doing a hundred takes. So myself and Pranam just made sure that we, you know, talked through the scenes and in rehearsals just so much. And that's such a gift to get that opportunity. And yeah. um, How much rehearsal time did you have? Uh, we had like a full week, which I think is a lot. That's pretty but good. Yeah. You know, that's not a lot. But mm. I spent kind of about three months just conversing with Prano. Mm. 
emails and, and Skype and just going through the scenes. Um, and so that was, it was just kind of, it was, it, it flowed in that sense. And we had this amazing shorthand on one another. So we didn't really have to kind of over talk out any of the scenes and we just let them kind of happen. Um, yeah. It's good. And charting this character's descent into something like madness, did you find that you were able to like purge any of your own demons or that <laughs> did it serve as therapy in any way or did you have to go to want to go to therapy afterwards? No, I was I find acting for me is so cathartic. It's mm-hmm. like it's therapy that I get paid for. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's you're exploring psychological distortion or repressed memories that I hadn't seen portrayed before on screen. And so to be given that opportunity to push the boundaries of what that could look like for an audience was so exciting. So um, not the saying that I kind of had free reign, but I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like if I got it wrong, it, it wasn't going to feel wrong. Because, mm. you know, how do we as a, how do we as a person know what that feels like? You yeah. just have to kind of go with the moment and play it as truthfully as possible and just do your homework. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Yeah. And thinking about, you know, like the, the truth of the moment and obviously the, the world of filmmaking and marketing and all that sort of things is very different now than it was then. And I'm curious how you think Enid would react to the films being made today that are much more open in discussing violence against women that in the video nasties was sort of just like shown and shown very violently. Yeah. I think Ina would probably be happy that women are kind of being heard because I feel like she's she's in a time where it's very much she's very much a woman in a man's world. And so she's constantly always trying to keep the lid on 
um, what she wants to say and how she says it. Um, and I think now that women are actually being heard and the roles of women are, are you know, stretching further and further, like women are allowed to grow old on screen now, we're, mm-hmm. we're allowed to applaud, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, like the, it's almost like, well, I find with horror films or it's what you don't see and what's alluded to is more terrifying than actually showing it. I completely agree, which is one of the things that I love about this movie is that it gives you that sort of old school horror of like, that kind of has revels in this violence and like, we're going to show you someone, someone's hands like mucking around in a brain because we can, but also that more modern, like we are going to show this person's psyche breaking in a psychological way. We're not actually going to show the horror of what's happening, but a representation of it. And the way it does that is, is very cool and artful. Um, But it also does that in the style of, and you said you shot on film, and it does this in a style that is somewhat similar to like, you know, the VHS, the video shooting of that time. Um, and physical media feels like it's very on the decline these days and the rise of streaming. Um, and you, know, you talked about how streaming before sort of opens up a lot in terms of what you can show with or without censorship. Um, so where do you stand on on that in terms of physical media versus streaming? God, I miss me I miss video shops so much. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, I like as a kid, I used to go, that's where I used to go to get picked up after school. Mm. It's like I used to walk to the video store, hang out there for like a half an hour until my mum was finished work, and then just scan the aisles and just look up look at the covers of movies. So now it's we've got so much and we're you know there's all these like equations of what or formulas that figure out what it is that you're gonna like whereas it's there's no surprises anymore i feel mm. like you know all these tracking things um that can figure out what it is that you know what, what you're in the mood for yeah i miss i miss physical copies of things but also it's like we're so lucky that we have like this entire catalog of movies that are just available at any given time. It means that, you know, smaller independent films get to be seen across, you know, internationally more now. So that, that there is, it's, there's good and bad with it, you know. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Lord giveth. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it looks like we're coming towards the end of our allotted time, but I wanted to ask if you had, it, we sort of talked about the the difficulty of part of that last sequence when you're in that blinding rain. Um, <laughs> but was there any scene that was more fun to shoot? Um, any scene with Michael Smiley. Oh, yeah. Just such a funny guy. Um, he brings such an incredible energy onto set that, you know, he has everyone laughing and he'll be, you know, just ad-libbing kind of going into the scene and coming out of it so I'm trying really hard in a lot of those scenes with him not to start laughing um and I'm just was such a big fan of his so so, yeah but it was was so many just just really enjoyable days on on this ones that kind of really surprised you um I just I love I love um acting with Claire Holman and and Andrew Havel who played 
my parents in it there. I'm just just blown away by their talent and just huge fans. So just all the cast in this, there's no, I feel like there's no wasted characters and everyone brought such a beautiful nuance to, to those roles. Mm. And lastly, one more fun one. If you were to meet Enid in real life, what would you want to say to her? <laughs> oh God, I want to give her a hug. <laughs> Only give Enid a hug. She really needs a hug. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just tell her it's not her fault. She's just, it's such a, it's a really heartbreaking um, character um, to read. I just, yeah, I felt like when after I read it, I wanted to give her a big hug or run away from her. It's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> Good instinct. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's fantastic. Thank you so much for talking with us and thank you for your work in the film. I think it's absolutely fantastic and loved watching it um, as much as you can love something that is so deeply <laughs> psychologically unsettling. Um, <laughs> um, but when can we, what, do you have anything else coming up in the pipeline? What can we see you next in? Um, I'm currently in South Africa shooting season two of Race by Wolves um, and I've got a TV show called Deceit that's coming out later on in the year I'm just excited for people to see mm-hmm. Fantastic I look forward to seeing you in those Thanks Daniel Thank you <laughs> hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Dan Baer's interview with the star for Censor, Neem Alger, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Censor will be released by Magnolia Pictures this weekend in theaters and will be streaming on June 18th. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.